Welcome to the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage here in Madison, and I'm here with my co-host, Coach Manchi. This is a Sharpening Your Edge version of our podcast. Uh, very excited to go over some of the topics that we had with Coach Richards, Mitch Bartle, and Evan Buss. Uh, Coach, how are we doing over there? Getting ready to put the pads on, getting ready to get those volleyball girls out there across country, a lot of sports starting up here this week. Yes, summer's concluded here as far as, uh, you know, most of the training, and now the fall sports will be getting ready to rock and roll, and uh, that's an exciting time. You get to see the kids put all that work in, and now it's got to translate to the field, to the court, to, you know, to the volleyball court, to the whatever sports that they play, and that's always so awesome to see. You know, the the sports-specific part of actually training is the practice. We did all the the prep yes. work to make them better athletes and things like that. Dino, you know, I just want to share, you know, every, you know, all our communities that we live in Wisconsin have really unique unique venues and situations. Uh, the other night, Corey and I were lucky to go to the 75th anniversary of the Edgewater. Uh, the Edgewater is, is a, you know, premier hotel. It really links, you know, the lake, the capital, the university all together. It's, it's just something that really makes Madison very special. Good friend of mine, Bob Dunn, who's now the owner, uh, is revamping it, really taking it, you know, to the next level. Uh, the Edgewater has been there for 75 years. So that was just a great event that we went to. But maybe, Dean, share a little bit in the Fox Valley. They got a pretty cool event that you guys just went to um, that I, I'm not sure all of our listeners really know about, but it's a it's a big-time event over in the Oshkosh area. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great time yesterday. We went out to what's called the EAA, what has to do with it the airplanes and it's a huge show it's one of the biggest in the world and you know i grew up in oshkosh so i'm familiar with airplanes at this time of year and they put on an incredible show there's people from all over the world that come to this air show and obviously you have a connection in oshkosh because you went to college there and so you've seen some of that but boy the f-22 raptor which uh that was the main event yesterday it was just in the air and it was just Awesome. We were we were in a situation where we were seated right in front of the F-22 Raptor, which was their main attraction yesterday, and the F-35 fighter jets. And to see just the the amount of you know preciseness in how they work together to even get this plane warmed up to go through all the checks, it was pretty cool. I never got to see that, but the attention to detail as strength and conditioning coaches. You know, we're so honed in on great technique and every yep. rep and every set. And they had a regimen that, I mean, the guys were walking, the mechanics were walking in the straight line and they were high-fiving and the guy, you know, was check this, check that. And all of a sudden, you know, they take the block off the wheels and they go turn around and everything was like a warm up. It was, it was just unbelievable. I was getting goosebumps because the amount of work that these people put in and just that militant procedure that they they had a routine and everything had to be checked off perfect before that plane went off. And then when it went off and then when it came back and the same thing, it's just a, a group of mechanics, a group of people, and they really work as a team. And I like that. It's you yeah. think but it's so many times in sports, but you know, we see it in NASCAR, but we see it in, you know, the business world. But to see it in the military like that at an air show just uh, really was an unbelievable experience for me yesterday. Brian. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a great event, Dean. I, you know, and Corey and I got to get over there and, and if you're in the Oshkosh area, kind of late July, early August, that's a, that's a great event for you to take in. But Dean, I'm, 
you know, we're a big proponent on multi-sport athletes. And so I saw this come across Twitter today and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to quiz you here. I'm going to give you a couple chances to guess. No peeking on your phone. Now I see you peeking. No, no. no peeking. Um, you know, when we grew up and I'm kind of giving you a hint because this is, you know, you know, Dave Winfield, you know, was probably the, the epitome of a multi-sport. What's that? Yeah. Padres, right? San Diego yeah. Padres. You know, could have played basketball, could have played football, could have played baseball in college, right? All three sports. So I'm going to give you a current professional athlete. He's a, he's a male athlete. Okay. I'm going to give you his high school stats and see if I'll give you three guesses to see if you can guess who this is. Okay. First sport. And this, this isn't, I'm not listing in the sport that he plays right now. First sport is football. His senior year, he had 54 receptions, almost a thousand yards receiving 17 touchdowns okay that's football in basketball he was an all-state center 18 18 and a half points a game 12 almost 13 rebounds a game and then in baseball he hit 500 seven home runs 32 rbis pitched 12 games nine and three with a 0.65 era and 65 strikeouts can you figure out who the athlete is Oh, and and right now this individual is playing what professional sport? I'll I'll tell you, he's playing baseball right now. He's playing baseball. Yeah. I'm going to say judge. Yep. 100%. Yes. You're looking on your phone. (laughs) I am not. I am not. I mean, but I I think, you know, from, from my perspective and I'm a, a owner of a, of a baseball Academy, like those of you that have your 12 year old only doing one sport year round, um, you know, maybe they, that gets them a college opportunity. Maybe it gets them here and there, but think of all the opportunities that they're missing and the possibility of how they could develop, you know, at the end of the day, the best of the best are, are, are there for a reason. Usually they're going to be really good at everything for one thing, but at the end of the day, it's because they're developing all those multi-skills um, to continue to develop, stay injury-free and and whatnot. But I, I, I saw that this morning on Twitter and I mean, those are like those. Those are ridiculous stats from from a guy who's now crushing it in the MLB. And Brian, hey, thanks because before we did this, and, and for those listeners out there, I had no idea who this was. You didn't. Yeah. Besides this, this isn't uh, pre-staged here or anything like that. <laughs> so talk about when you said, "Hey, I got to throw a stat at you beforehand." Yeah. I'm thinking, oh boy, you put me out of my comfort zone here. Yep. Brian, I didn't want to embarrass myself, but no, uh, it was good. I was that pretty proud that I got the answer correct. So. Yeah, thanks yeah. for doing that, Coach Mangan. Will be fired up. He'll be fired he up. Will. You know, yeah. All right, let's get to Coach Richards here. First off, Bill, uh, you know Bill Richards. Huge thank you to him. He stopped out at our, our grand opening. Love uh, that guy. You know, he was there from the beginning to end. He stood. He, he actually has notebook. He was taking notes on different things uh, that we were talking about. You know, maybe to bring back to his school. So always in a growth mindset. But the, the first topic we talked with Bill about, about coaches um, that aren't in the building, that are in the building and aren't in the building, and and what a challenge it can be sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with high school athletes and, and things like that. But, Dean, this is kind of a little bit more in your wheelhouse, so we'll let you start with it. Um, you've always been in the building, you right. know, in high school and things like that. What are some of the challenges that you see, you know, on your guys' end if, if a coach is not in the building? Well, you know, Brian, I have been in the, you know, the teaching profession my whole whole career, but and when I started out and I taught at the middle school level, I wasn't in the building that I was a coach at. Sure. So even though I was a teacher, you know, I had that experience. And then actually my first year in Kimberly, 
I was at the middle school okay. before the second year before I got to the high school. So you talk about, I've been there and I know the challenges just being in a different school and coaching a sport. For example, you know, being a middle school teacher and then coaching at the high school, you definitely is a big difference. You know, you're not around those kids as much. So the more you're around kids, the more you understand them and you get to understand, you know, who they are and you get to develop a lot better relationship with them. We also have a lot of coaches and I've never been in this situation, but we have a lot of coaches that, you know, have a normal job. They're out in the business. You know, they're, maybe they're a salesman. Maybe they work in a factory. Maybe they're a firefighter. Maybe they're a police officer, whatever the case is. And they come in and they coach. And I think that's a totally different deal. You know, like Bill works in the business world. And so then, you know, he goes and he coaches after his, his normal day. So there's Michael a lot Sagan, of us, right? Was it Mike Sagan, guy that coached? Coach Sagan it was our offensive line coach for many years. You know, he had, he had his own business and that. So by having a lot of conversations with these people, I think, you know, a lot of times that huge advantage, I remember talking to Coach Verstegen on this, is he would say, boy, I was just like, so excited to come to practice because I just couldn't stand sitting at the computer all day. Sure. Because that's what they normally do. So you always kind of like something you don't always do all the time. So I'm getting pretty excited because pretty soon here in a couple weeks, I'm going to go salmon fishing. And that's cool. just something I don't do much of on Lake Michigan. So I'm getting really jacked up for this experience. And I think that's the same thing in the coaching world is they come to practice and boy, they don't know the kids very much. So they got a real open mind where sometimes, you know, the disadvantage of knowing somebody's, you know, so much as we're like, eh, I don't know if this kid can make it. And all of a sudden this outside coach comes in and says, Hey, I see something in this person. Correct. You yeah. know, I, I'm looking at this person through a different lens. And I think they're more likely to give that kid a better opportunity to prove themselves. Not that the person that's in the building doesn't, but I think sometimes that can be a huge motivator for maybe that person that needs somebody outside of the organization to give them a little pep talk. I mean, one thing with my Fox Valley Throws Club is I'll bring in a lot of great coaches that are not as familiar with the kids and they're college coaches. They got a bunch of experience and all of a sudden, Boom, that person might give them a little bit different teaching cue, a little bit different analogy, a little bit different verbiage. And all of a sudden, that person just takes off. And maybe it's just, it's reassuring. It's like you said, you go to the conjugate method, you go to some of these clinics, you go to some of these places, and you learn. It reassures you that, hey, I'm on the right track here. All right. of this stuff validates what we do. And obviously, like you say, and I love this, success leaves clues. For sure. So now it just reassures you and gives you that confidence that what we do works. However, if we can put a few wrinkles in here now, uh, you know, how much better can we get? How much better can we get as a sports advantage, a business? How much better can I get as a teacher, a coach? And then bottom line, it's about the athlete. How much better can the athlete get? And well, that's what this thing's all about. So, you know, my experience with that is, has been unbelievable. I think it definitely like coach, Richard says it is harder. It is harder because the, the better you know an individual and not only their physical abilities, but their mental capacity, the easier it is to help athletes, in my opinion. How about you? Think, in yeah, for, world? yeah, for me, I'm kind of going through that myself right now. You know, as, as we continue to grow, um, you know, putting the right people, you know, getting the right people on the right seats of the bus, you know, leading our gyms, which I think we do. Uh, in all five of our gyms right now, we have exceptional directors that are getting exceptional results. 
uh, with our kids, you know, from a performance standpoint. So for me, it's, it's nice to be able to be that outside person, you know, in some of these scenarios and still have relationships with pretty much kids in every gym. I think that's very unique for, for what we have. Uh, I have a, I have a pulse on, you know, the majority of the kids in the majority of our gyms, you know, and I think that that, that helps because I can come in too and see, you know, both good and bad, just like you're saying. So I can come in and say, well, that kid looks really good. And if you're a person that's around them every day, you can be like, well, they've been a little stagnant, but if I've haven't seen them for a month and it's like, wow, that, you know, they made some big jumps, you know, that as well. Like if you're working with a kid every single day, you know, and, and you're getting that slow, gradual growth, you know, you're not going to see the big difference, you know, that, that we see if, if you haven't been there for a month or two, which is really nice. The other thing for us being outside of the building with our, our consulting makes it really nice because we can come into the school, evaluate, see different things that are going on, um, I think our coaches that have a, a tremendous amount of growth mindset uh, as far as learning and teaching and things like that. So that's been a huge thing for us being outside of the building. We can come in, see the coaches working with their athletes, see how the athletes interact, uh, give suggestions, you know, right, wrong or indifferent. When we walk in the building, you know, there's a level of excitement from the athletes, I think, because we bring a, a professional um, aura when we come in, not, not to like brag or anything like that, but that's the perception when, when we come in, you know, we're the ones that are, that are really kind of leading the charge here. And the, I just got a huge shout out to our coaches uh, across the board, like in our schools, um, you know, the results that they've gotten with their kids and the numbers of kids that are training. Um, I've, I've heard so many different increases from school to school, of kids that are now actually doing their summer programs coming in, which was the first goal, right? We want to get as many kids from as many sports training, you know, under the same system that we can under the high school. And now as we go into the fall, now we're going to really refine what we do in season and out of season and, and really try and then, you know, take that next step in our schools. But it's for me personally, it's, it's really been a different scenario, Dean, because I'm so used to being 10 to 12 hours, 14 hours in the gym seeing the kids every day. Um, but I, I really love the new role of traveling and doing all that other stuff. You know, one thing else I want to mention, Brian, is that is another just thing I just thought of as you were speaking is a lot of our coaches that all of a sudden just show up when the football season starts or whatever sport it is, right. they're like, wow, did those kids make a difference in their bodies? They look like a whole different individual. And that that relationship or that communication, when they talk to that individual, I've seen that just light up an athlete of confidence is, wow, you know, I haven't seen it in a long time. And look at the difference. I just kind of remember when I was a kid and all of a sudden you don't see some relatives, in, you know, a little bit, and there's a family reunion or a family gathering. They're like, holy cow, did you grow right six months ago? And then you're just kind of, you know, you just you, you puff up the chest a little bit and think, yeah, you know, I did, I did make some of those gains. When you see everybody, the same person every day, you don't see that. Correct. And so I think that that is a huge plus. The other thing I'll mention, Brian, about sports advantage is, you know, I've been looking at some of the results that the schools you're consulting with, and it, it's just amazing. But I want to just say this, because I'm a veteran strength conditioning teacher at the high school level. And if you're a coach and you're listening to our podcast, and you're, you know, you're tweet, tweetering on, hey, do we get this? You know, do we do we try to get this? It's a little bit of money here. How do we get the money? 
I'm going to say, if I would have had this when I was younger, I would have grew as a strength and conditioning coach a lot quicker, a lot quicker. And to have that knowledge right there and to have somebody actually come in and make sure I'm doing things and, re and reassuring me and then e keeping me up to date on evolving as a program would have been a huge, huge advancement in my career. So if you're looking at there and if you're thinking, hey, this, there's no way our school can maybe afford this. There's no way I, our administration will go for this or other coaches. I would get together. I would call Brian at Sports Advantage. And I'm telling you, just like I tell athletes, if it's important enough, you'll find a way. And I know there's fundraising things, you know, that you can do. There's different ways that you can make it happen. And it would just be unbelievable to have somebody just constantly, you know, it's motivation too. And when I talk to you, Brian, you never consulted for Kimberly, but you are, because we are unbelievable <laughs> friends. It's yeah. every day you're consulting with me. And to have that as a friendship and to allow me to continually have that growth mindset and to continually grow, I am severely grateful for all of our friendship and for all of our years, because you've helped our, our program in a very indirect way. You're not there. You're not there in the building. You're not directly working with our kids. However, you've done some speed stuff over the years and you've come in and you've come in and showed our athletes some speed stuff that we implemented. And then obviously all the individual stuff when we start talking programming and technique and all that has definitely translated to our athletes. So I want to thank you for that, Brian. Well, you know, I appreciate it. You know, the feelings mutual. I think, you know, we don't want to get into a bro session here between the two of us, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, coaches, you have to find people with the same mindset, with the same growth mindset, with the same mentality um, that, that, that really have the same. And the reason you and I click and the reason why you and coach Mangan and the rest of your staff click with our staff, you know, across the board. So this has grown Dean, like it, it started just you and I, yep. you know, back and forth, back and forth. But I mean, the web of people now that this has impacted, you know, you're talking about Steve Jones, you're talking about, you know, Coach Jorgensen, you're talking about Coach Mangan, Coach Biola. Um, I could go all the way down the list, I, go, Coach Ver, you know, and then I could go all the way down the list of, of guys that have been with us and also are, have, have left us. I mean, now you have like a group that, you know, that we're not in the same building together, you know, but we're we're making each other better. And, and you know, a lot of things that, that I've, I've learned from you you know, are things that we're passing on in our consulting as far as how you guys build culture. Like no one has a better culture, you know, in their football program than Kimberly over the last 10 years. And so, you know, I've been smart enough to to, to listen and hear and, and look at ways that you guys build culture and, and not just build it, Dean, but sustain it, you know? And so you now we kind of went a little off topic, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I think that, you know, what you said is true. I mean, if I had people like this when I was, you know, as a young strength coach that I could um, reach out to, and that's when my career turned, when I found a guy like Greg Cook and, and and learned some different things, think outside the box. And now I'm fortunate enough with all the relationships that, that I've built. The other thing, Brian, is what we're seeing around the state of Wisconsin is you're starting to see unbelievable weight rooms. Oh, my God. In newer schools and indoor facilities and all that. I, I will tell you this is if you're a district, your community, your administration, your 
you're all of this. It's not the facilities that win games. It's the people. Heard it. The people. And it's just like sports fan. That's why you're just not popping up places left and right. And obviously you could, you take your time, you educate, but it's the people that make the difference. And I say that all the time. You can always train somebody, you know, to be a, a strength conditioning coach, a sport coach, but they have to be a person that really wants to understand that it's about the kids. Yeah. And if they really have a passion to help kids become the best version of themselves, the other stuff you can teach, but it's all about people. If you think building these great, great big facilities and having all this expensive equipment is the answer, I'm going to say no. The answer is get good people. Get good people. Too many people put so much money in the facilities and then they don't have the proper people to take care of it, in charge of it, supervise it, coach it. But anyone can go in there and just sit behind a desk and sit there and supervise. Well, but when you're on that floor and you're coaching, you got to be coaching every rep, every set, every day. And it's got to be consistent, Brian. Well, and I saw, you know, I, I know what some of these gyms cost because we work with dynamic, you know, fitness again for all of our gyms. They do an incredible job. And they are are really taking the lead in the state of Wisconsin with a lot of these facilities to invest a couple more thousand dollars in just someone like Sports Advantage to educate your coaches on a weekly, monthly, and yearly basis. You you probably have the funding for that. You know what I mean? So, Dino, let's move on now here. Um, technical aspects. That's another thing we talked about with Coach Richards. And at the end of the day, like – there, there's really no more technical sport, in my opinion, than the throws. I mean, you know, you're talking about centimeters and, and inches, you know, difference between gold medals and, and going to state and not not even qualifying for state and winning state, you know. So maybe just talk about the technical aspect and, and how important it is with sports. And I can talk about, from my experience, how parents, I think, are missing the boat and doing too much of this stuff too early. Yes, Brian, you know, throwing for sure, <clears throat> excuse me, is one of the most technical sports. And just track and field as, as a sport is so technical when you think of all the different events and everything like that. But you have to be able to have great technique. And, every you know, the technique on every individual is going to be different. There's no textbook version on how to throw a shot put or discus that is going to be a one-size-fits-all. So you, you can't take a model, a technical model, and make your athletes robotic and have them just do this one technique. And it's got to be this way. Every individual is different. As you see, some of the guys that and women that throw the farthest have all lived different techniques. It's everybody's different. You've got limb lengths. you got heights, right? You have strength levels. You have ability levels. You have experience. You have all different types of factors that go into that. And look at any sport. What we always tell the athletes is you have to be great at your sport. What I see sometimes is either we see too many people, all they worry about is the technique in their sport and don't work on the physical qualities. And then I look at the other person that all they want is weight room, weight room, weight room, weight room. They don't want to work on the skill. And so I think, again, you have to make sure you got the right recipe because yeah. – Obviously, te technique in your sport is by far the most important thing. 
But I think too many people are focusing on that and not the skills. I always say the tools in the toolbox, training-wise, that will give them the ability to execute those skills in their sport. How about you, Brian? Well, Dean, I think I'm seeing it in like the AAU and the and the, the travel sports circuit that and, and, and youth sports in general. You know, I'm seeing nine, 10, 11 year olds, you know, you know, teams that are that are so focused on wins that they're not focused on development. You know what I mean? So they're putting their kids in scenarios. We've talked about this many times at the younger ages. You, you have to put your kids in scenarios where they're going to fail because they have to learn how to face adversity and, and, and not throw their glove or slam their bat or, or, you know, slam the basketball on the ground because they lost um, chasing wins at the young, at the younger ages is becoming more and more popular. Uh, you're, you're trying to justify your program and things like that. We take a completely different approach with our baseball program. We do so much skill work in the off season with our kids, teaching them how to throw properly you know, teaching them mechanically how to swing the bat, teaching them breaking everything down like you would, like when you're in high school and college, like the first week of practice, you all, you wonder why in sports, those for that first week of practice, so much is drill work and it's repetitive because you still have to continue to build your fundamentals. So if you're playing in an organization where at the younger ages, you're chasing wins, um, at some point, that's probably going to take your son or daughter backwards. You should be in a program in the middle school ages and the youth ages that are teaching your son or daughter the fundamentals, okay, of the technique of how to do things properly. Because again, if you're chasing wins and not looking at how a young athlete is throwing a baseball or softball, um, that's good chance they're going to develop arm issues later. And all those wins you got when they were 12 and all those trophies, that does nothing when they got a zipper in their elbow, okay? And same thing with, with all these wins you're chasing on the basketball court. Teach your kids how to shoot the ball right. Teach them how to get in a good stance, how to play defense. Um, and then combine that with good performance training, building a foundation of strength. So again, you're, you're taking that, that developmental pyramid and building a great foundation. I When I was at the Westside um, Conjugate Seminar, you know, they talked about the Russian athletes and how they developed for the Olympics. They said the greater the base in the pyramid, the higher the peak. So again, if you're thinking about young athletes, build a base that is wide and long with skills and fundamentals, because at the end of the day, the wider that base, the higher that peak goes up, and that gives them a longer term uh, ability to play sports longer and have success longer. So, you know, don't chase wins at the younger ages. I mean, they don't give a state championship for, for your 12-year-old, you know, tackle football team. Um, you know, give these kids the opportunities to play long-term um, and teach them the proper technique and then continue to go back to it. Uh, Dino, right, let's go ahead. Like go ahead Dino. Yeah. Just the other thing I'd like to add is we went to Midwest uh, throws camp and that was, yeah. that was in Missouri that Tyler Rathke was, you know, listens to our podcast. And one of the big things I got from a college coach there, and not that I haven't heard it before, but it just uh, reminded me is when you work on technical skills in a sport you have to dial it down a little bit you have to dial it down and like in the throwing community they'll say hey most of your throws should be 85 to 92.5 percent of your max and so many kids i noticed for example in the sport of track and field with the throwing is they're out there throwing a shot button and every throw is 100 percent and every whether it's shot put discus whatever and if you're trying to make changes on technique you have to dial that down a little bit. 
And I think that's very important. You talk about the conjugate method and max effort, and everybody thinks max effort's failing. You know, you go to you fail, and that's not it at all. It's no. dialing it down a little bit to stimulate the, the muscles and to stimulate the body to continue to grow so you don't get hurt. And I think that's one of the big things with conjugate people don't understand when I talk to people is they think you're just being defeated every day when they hear max effort. No, and right, we know that's not it at all. Correct. Correct. No. And I, and we could go on and on about how miss, you know, construed the conjugate method is with so many of these quote unquote gurus in our profession, but we'll save that for another day. Yes. Uh, let's move on to Mitch Bartle and Evan Buss. Uh, we had that, we had our first tag team event. Um, with uh, two formerly former Kimberly grads that are going to be playing each other here in November. Uh, you know, Mitch had, again, we talk about that multi-sport concept. And for those of you that haven't figured out, that's something that you should be promoting in your schools. Um, if you listen to our podcast on a regular basis, we probably hit on it in some capacity, Dean, um, you know, every, every podcast we do because the value is there and you're hearing people like Mitch, Evan, Joe Thomas, Al Gingold, we can go up and down the line about multi-sports and he said which was really unique is that playing multi-sports really rejuvenated him you know coming out of a sport into a new sport because it was a different level of competition or there were you know different things that he was looking at and I thought that was a really cool perspective right because from a competitive person you always want to have success you always want to do your best and, you know, he's playing football in college, but he, I think he also played basketball and, and through. So, yes. you know, and we talked, you know, with Jacob Kisting, you know, well, a while back who pitches at Bradley about how, you know, multi-sport, um, you know, taught him, you know, how to succeed and fail in different scenarios and how to handle that for his main sport. So I really like Mitch's idea that, hey, you know, I'm coming out of football season. I've been doing it for four months and that can be a grind because you guys you know, when those guys were playing, you guys were playing 12, 13, 14 games every year, which is three to five more games. And, you know, half the teams in our state even get a chance to play. So these guys are going right into basketball season. Um, and I thought it was really cool for him to say, you know, gave him a new challenge and rejuvenated him. And so just another plug for multi-sport kids, Dean. Well, I got to witness it, Brian. So that was super sure. cool because yeah. he'd come off of <clears throat> basketball season and he loved basketball, obviously. And, and they were very successful. But I just remember you'd see him in the hallway a couple of weeks before, you know, track was going to start. Can't wait, coach. I'm excited. You know, tell me what his goal was and all that. So I, I think that's huge because you learn from so many coaches. And when you think of burnout, it's just doing that, the same thing over and over and over and over. And I think not only that is you go into a different sport. Now you start getting different teammates too. And so now you're, you're connecting with kids. Maybe you haven't connected with in the fall as much that are still friends because maybe they didn't play the sport that you played in the fall, but now it's winter and now they're playing your sport and it's so on and they're boom. Maybe for example, Evan Buss and him played football together. Evan didn't do a winter sport, but then he did track. And also now then they connect again. So you're playing football together. Now you have a season where you're not, now you connect back up and do track. You know, I, I'm a huge proponent of football players. If they don't play baseball in high school, that at least freshman year, sophomore year, they try and do track, you know, and get out there and do it. Because track, for example, a lot of kids just don't even know if they can be good at it. Right. Because usually 
it tracks not a sport that if they play younger, they actually know that they can be good at it because their bodies are growing so much. And it is such a technical sport. And even if they have a middle school track program, a lot of it's just getting them the opportunity to kind of see how some of these events are run. And I think sometimes people look at track as what well, tracks, a lot of running. Well, I'll tell you one thing, if you're a thrower, there's no running in track. <laughs> there's no running in track. What we do, yeah, there's going to be some short sprints, but there's nothing as long distance. And I think coaches are much more educated now. It's not like when we were in middle school and everybody in the track team came out and everybody's going to run, you know, down to the pump house. And in, in my instance, which was probably a mile away from our start of practice and then back. And you were gassed when you got back and you're like, geez, I don't want to do track. And it would just get turned off to it. But now it's not like that. So I'm a huge proponent. Give it a shot, you know, after a year or two, and then you don't want to do it. Hey, that's fine. But at least you tried. And what I found is a lot of kids ended up, there were football, big time kids did track. And then all of a sudden, at the end, they started to like track a little bit more because they were in control of their own destiny because it's more of an individual sport, right? Well, Dean, I, I got just two comments on that. Now, now the throwers run a little bit in the big man relays, right? And yes, and, there's and, not but, not a lot of those around anymore, though. But you're but tell me if I'm wrong. Those big guys they get jacked up to be in those events, right? From all over, you see it. Actually, I've had this. I scaled some guys down. We used to go to Green Bay yeah. Preble. Yeah, And they'd want to go in there. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what, guys, I know you want to do this, but it's getting close to the end of the season. Yeah. And the smart coach in me is I want you healthy. Well, it's and, like, and it would, we it's see that kind of same concept, like the hockey players, you put a basketball in their hand and they're all NBA players. Right. And you know, you get kids from different sports and they, but they get, because that's just like, that's just being a kid. Right. Yes. You're, you're giving them an, Hey, we're going to have you run a four by one. And those guys are probably, hey, coach, I'm fast. I'm the fastest. You know what I mean? I'm sure you get that. The other thing that I would say, and not, and not just football kids, I would, I would, you know, if fall and winter sport athletes across the board, we've seen this with a lot of our volleyball girls that run track. Um, the, the, the force production that they gain from sprinting and jumping um, it, you can't match that, you know? And then the other thing too, that, going off for track does and because it's it's you know depending on what events you're doing it teaches you you know running technique which all kids can work on their running technique and it's really like a the ability to have an off-season speed program you know in your high school so instead of trying to get all the kids that maybe you know aren't out for a spring sport to come in at 6 a.m to do speed work just encourage them to go off for track they can still do their lifts you know, if they're not competing, there's no reason. And, and even if they are, there's no reason why they can't lift three to four times a week and stay on the, you know, the volleyball or the football lifting schedule. But get them out, let them compete because track and, and sports like track and swimming are the ultimate. You're either the best or you're not. The watch does not lie. And that teaches kids that, you know, hey, you can't argue in politics, you know, for a starting position because, Someone just jumps higher than you. They run faster than you. They throw farther than you. So it's a great sport to integrate in because there's no guesswork, you know, who gets to compete. And Brian, if for the athletes listening out there, if you think if not, you know, if I go out for this sport, I am going to fall behind in the weight room to kids that are not, that is definitely not good thinking. 
right? Because anytime you can compete, that is a great thing. And you got to make sure that you take it and run with it. I will say this. This is why it's so important, <clears throat> excuse me again, to have a continuous weight program all year long. And coaches, in-season coaches, this is why it's so important that you continue to lift. Because if you're a sport coach and you don't lift, because all you want to do is practice your sport, you are going to lose athletes. Yes. And you're going to increase their chance of injury. So it's so important. And I know this is what you guys do such a great job with, Brian, with the consulting, is you are doing a program all year in its off-season and its in-season. So you must continue to lift kids. And athletes, you won't fall behind. And what if you're an athlete and you're telling me, well, Coach Manchie, though, my group or my you know school or my they don't lift. If you're in that situation, then go to a sports advantage because that's out of your control and lift in season at a sports advantage place. So you don't decrease your power. You don't decrease your chance of injury and you don't stop continually getting better. And that is so important. And I know I, I, I talked to lots of coaches and lots of frustrated athletes. Athletes will ask me, hey, can you do a program for me? you know, a weight training program. And my answer from people on the outside is no, because if I'm not there to coach it and to go through it all the time, I don't feel comfortable just saying, hey, do this program. Because it's, again, it's about people. It's about the people that are supervising and coaching the program. And that's what you guys do with the consulting is you go in there and you're coaching people to coach up the lifts on how to do it correctly and the progressions and the sets and the reps and the reason, the why behind everything. Well, and too, Dean, I'll just say this before we get to Evan Voss. If, if you're in a scenario where you're not lifting your kids in season and your kids are going somewhere else, um, the only reason for you to be upset with them is your personal ego. Because at the end of the day, and, and quite honestly, you know, and we've talked about this, Dean, with Kimberly, like there'd be ways you know, that we could integrate stuff, you know, with Kimberly athletes, if we were in that area, which at some Absolutely. point we will be, but at the end of the day, we're going to work with you. That's what we do, you know? And so you, you should never discourage your kids for trying to get extra work in as long as it's done in a scenario where the, the place is working with you. Um, and, and if you're discouraging kids for trying to get better, I mean, that comes down to your ego that that's all it is as a coach. And so you need to check that at the door and encourage your kids to continue to try and get better. So Evan Buss, Dean, and, you know, Evan, you speak really highly of him uh, because of his servant leadership and just some of the, maybe just talk about some of the things that he used to do that, that, you know, really brought your unit and your group together just as being a leader. He did a lot of things that were uncommon and, 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 you know, things like that. Well, you know, always comes back to Coach Jones's book, right? Twin Thieves. Yep. You know, fear of judgment and fear of failure. And I think what was so impressive with Evan and Mitch, by the way, yep. but Evan just stood out in this area a little bit more because I got to see him a little bit because he was a two-sport athlete instead of a three-sport athlete. So he was that individual, that athlete that would go around the kids and say, hey, this is how you do things in our program. And he wasn't afraid to be judged differently. And obviously being one of the better players, being a scholarship kid, 
you know, he had some respect from the younger uh, underclassmen right off the bat. But to be able to do that is still not a comfortable situation for any athlete, regardless of athleticism and ability level. So, you know, he kind of went out on a limb and, you know, said, hey, that's not the way we do things. And sometimes, you know, that's not what kids want to hear. And that's not how you treat teachers. It's not how you treat the custodian, the librarian, the, the, the service people in the food industry. You know, you treat everybody in our building and the community, and this is how you do things right. And they good teams, I always say, are policed with them. The, the athletes lead the team. And if you got a great culture, the athletes are saying, no, that's not how we do things. This is how we do things. And they hold those kids accountable. And he was just a prime example of that. And kids were struggling in the classroom. They weren't getting it done. They weren't handing in their work. They were having missing assignments. They had those conversations. And sometimes they're very uncomfortable conversations with an individual saying, hey, you need to change. You need to change. And, you know, that goes a long way. I always say, you know, a coach is a difference maker, but I think a, a teammate is even more of a difference maker. And, yeah. you know, them examples were just unbelievable. Yeah, I think, you know, and it comes down to, again, you come back to the culture of your program. You, kids aren't going to act that way unless coaches act that way, right? The, the kids are going to follow your lead, you know, if you're consistent and in, in doing things correct, because – what's going to happen is those, those kids that don't follow the lead, if you're consistently sharing the same messages of what you believe, like for us, consistency, relentless effort, ownership, everybody knows it. We talk about it all the time. The kids that aren't, you know, bought into that, chances are they don't return to sports advantage. And for us, you know, it's unfortunate because we want to help as many kids as we can, but it falls into the same as the team scenario. You're going to get kids that, you know, they don't want to buy into it. Maybe they're violating rules. Maybe they're not going to school. Maybe they're, you know, vaping or doing whatever. Those kids become the outliers and, yep. and they just, they weed themselves out, you know? And I think when you have a strong culture, like you're talking about that you guys had, it then trickles down into the athletes. So you don't have to have coaches policing that stuff. The best teams that I've ever coached, you know, I can use the one where, um, you know, we went to the, the Capital One Bowl and beat Arkansas. Team, completely team ran. You know, John Stocko, Joe Thomas, guys like that. Um, we, we didn't have to, as coaches, um, you know, do anything for the, for the offseason to police kids because the players policed them. You know, and that's when we had a really strong culture. And I think coaches, we become afraid sometimes of losing a really good athlete because of holding what your standards are. The standard should always be the standard. If you choose to, to hold a line somewhere, you have to hold it consistently with, with all players. But then I think one of the things, Dean, we talked about this on our consulting call, you know, that we do with all our schools is that you have to make sure that you're consistent with your messaging, consistent with your messaging all the time and holding the kids accountable is something that should be a non-negotiable. You know, it really should be non-negotiable. And the kids start to learn that, but you have to teach them. You have to put them, and this is something I learned from Steve Jones. You have to put them in scenarios where they can lead and be successful. So in other words, if you're a coach and you're like, okay, I'm going to have, you know, like if I got a group of people, Dean, and I'm just like, 
I'm talking to the group at the end. And I say, hey, hey, Dean, I need you to come up and talk. Well, you're not even sure what I'm going to have you talk about. So, you know, and this is going to be a, a, a little trick that we shared in our coaches meeting. Grab the kid beforehand. If you want a kid and you think he's going to be a leader, you know, and, and, you know, produce servant leadership like we're talking about here, pull the kid aside before the workout of the night before and say, hey, hey, Dean, you know, tomorrow when I call the group up, I want you to say a few things on this topic. So give them the topic, allow them to prepare. What that does, there's two things. One, they're prepared to talk in front of their peers, which we know, Dean, kids have a hard time with that right now. Right. Yep. But the other thing it does is it shows them you have confidence as a coach in them being a leader, and that allows them to stand out in front. So it allows them to be successful. They have the confidence of the coaching staff. So then all of a sudden, now their peers are looking at them, and their peers don't have to know that you prepped them for this. You know, So it's one of those things where that's one of the things we do to create leaders in our gyms. We allow our kids to talk you know, to the other kids in the gyms, and they're from different schools. So. Yeah. Anything else, Doug? No, I tell you, I th we could have went on forever in these topics. And yeah. being that we had the tag team with Mitch and Evan, and then we had Bill. It was just awesome. It's it's so great to share our experiences with what our guests. I think that's important. And that's why I think is unique about our podcast is we got over, you know, probably 50, 60 years of our own experience with coaching and being around lots of different athletes from all different um, age levels and then being able to bring our experience in the private sector and you know in the teaching world and the coaching world and be able to share our knowledge to help other athletes coaches parents get better and that's why we do the get your edge podcast right well coming up guys you know just a just a quick note from sports advantage uh we'll have our school year memberships available uh we're going to have a scenario where you can get august for free if you, if you purchase a school year or a full year membership, so you get, you know, 10 months for the price of nine, or you get 13 months for the price of 12. So it's, it's something we do every year uh, to encourage the consistency of training. So that'll be coming out. Um, but other than that, just want to thank all of our guests. Make sure we try and do this every time. Share the show, you know, uh, one plus one equals two. So that's something that we're really going to be pushing within the show. Obviously, we don't run ads on the show. Um, you know, we're trying to get this message out. We got a lot of subscribers and downloads on, on Spotify and, and, and Apple keep sharing the show with your coaching friends, athletes, share them with a, with a friend, you know, at the end of the day, you never know whose life, um, you know, you could change, but just listen to some of these messages. So other than that, thanks for listening to get your edge podcast, and we will see you next time. Chop it. Chop it.